people deluded i'm back again welcome back to another edition of the deluded podcast the dg podcast as some of you have referred to it as i don't care what you refer to it as as long as you've hit the follow button as long as your notifications are on on spotify on apple and all the other streaming sites and as long as you're you're subscribed apologies to the youtube channel either way i hope you're all doing well and safe on this friday now i know a lot of you you know I know our dynamics in terms of our working environment has shift shifted, but Friday is Friday. I know a lot of you are relishing the weekend. Depending on what team you support, Arsenal versus United, it's going to be a deadly day. It's going to be a deadly day on Twitter, which I hope we're the ones running the corn because you lot know us. You, you know, Arsenal fans can run away with it, as can United fans. So we'll speak about the Premier League and whatnot. But as we've seen, you know, we've seen Premier League competitions, Premier League to come, sorry. We've got the Champions League. We've had the Europa League as well. So there's been a lot of football played over this week, people. If we start off with the Champions League, you know, they have to be front runners for the Champions League at this moment in time. And the only ones I can see winning it, Bayern Munich, you know, in their first game week, they slaughtered Atletico Madrid. And they went a bit light this time. You know, they needed a, a somewhat late goal from Kimmich to rescue all three points in their 2-1 victory over Lo- Locomotive. Goretzka, or as I like to call him, Captain America, because since he's joined Bayern Munich, I don't know what fitness programs he's on, but he looks tunk, bagged in the 13th minute. Before Atletico, um, locomotive apologies, did what Atletico couldn't and equalised um, in the 70th minute. Nine minutes from that point, in the 79th minute, Kimmich, Kimmich struck and, you know, got the 2-1 victory, a vital three points for, for Bayern Munich as they look to wrap up the group as quickly as possible. With that though, Bayern Munich have extended their winning run to 13 matches in the Champions League, which is the longest winning streak in Euro- European Cup slash Champions League history. They've scored 49 goals on that and conceded just nine people. We know already Bayern Munich is a well-engined unit and a fantastic squad and club. And this just reiterates, um, sadly for Lokomotiv, they put in a good fight, but they have now lost nine of their last 10 matches against German opposition in all European competition. As stated already, Bayern Munich are unbeaten, but they remain unbeaten in their last 14 away European games, drawing three, winning 11 in 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 the in the history of the competition only manchester united have gone on a longer run without defeat on the road which was 16 matches between september 2007 and february 2010 which is quite a good record for man united and obviously the team in question in bayern munich so yeah people you had that we'll get on to apologies one second people I'm sure you had other games played as well. There we go. I knew we had it. I'm sure you all saw the nil-nil draw with Shakhtar Donetsk and Inter Milan. You know, I do think a couple of these Shakhtar players will get moves. You know, me personally, I think the one I like the most in this team is, um, I think his name is Antonio. I think he's a bit passive. I think he's he, there's, there's, there's more to come. There's more personality there. Number eight can show, but I like him in possession. He always shows for it. He takes up good positions on the field. He's good at finding space. They've also got, you know, Tete, you know, Dodu's been linked with moves away. I can't pronounce the name, but you've got a couple of Ukrainian youth players as well. You've got Korinenko, the fullback. You've got Bador, who puts his body on the line, the 21-year-old centre-half. You've got Tubin in goal, you know, 19 years of age, you know, flaps at things a bit, but there's a lot of potential within within that lad. They've got a lot of players with potential, man. They've obviously got that centre-half Arsenal was looking at, or the left-back better yet, you can play at centre-half. Mavinenko as well, who came off the bench. But I've been impressed with Shakhtar, you know, they drew nil-nil, you know, they defeated Real Madrid. They're doing everything they can to complicate matters 
for Inter Milan and Real Madrid in that group. Inter Milan, Inter Milan, there's still a lot of games to, games to be played, so I'm not going to go as far as to say they're in trouble, folks. But, you know, two draws now. And true say Real Madrid got a win and a draw, so it's a bit of a gazy one. Did they get a win and a draw? I don't even know. I only watched the highlights of the Bayern Munich game, so we'll speak about that in a sec. But I do think them Shakhtar players are playing for moves. I do think they will get moves, man, and deservedly so, folks. Apologies, people. My screen is frozen with all my Champions League stuff on it, so I can't actually can continue. So what's going on here? What is going on here, people? Apologies, I've got to go on my Google Docs. What? What's apologies, people? This is not this is not like my thing. What's going on? Oh, we're back, people. Apologies. We're back. We're back. We're back. Just had some technical difficulties. I felt I'd have to start the podcast again, folks, which would have been a jar people really and truly um similar to inter inter milan have two draws in the group you know real madrid have a draw and a loss so again it, it throws that group on its head you know much and glad back you know turam who's linked with moves away all the time you know put them two goals ahead he struck in the 33rd minute and in the 58th before real madrid had to complete a comeback they scored two goals in the dying embers of the game benzema struck in the 87th before casmiro added in in injury time but it has been a disappointing start to the Champions League for Real Madrid and considering they won the El Clasico you thought that would have given them momentum with that though Real Madrid avoided defeat in an in an away UEFA Champions League game having gone two goals behind for the first time since December 2006 against Dynamo Kiev Real Madrid have failed to win four consecutive matches across all European competitions for the first time since September 2006 Gladbach have won only one of their last 12 games in all competitions against Spanish teams, drawing three, losing eight. The last time they won was a 4-2 victory in the UEFA Champions League in 2015 against Seville. So Real Madrid let themselves down and again, more pressure mounting on Zinedine Zidane. You know, there's a lot of critics of Manchester City, but they took care of business. Ferran Torres, who was signed for only 20-odd million, keeps continuing to prove he was a bargain. Gundogan and Raheem Sterling struck late at the end to obviously flatter the scoreline a bit, put a bit more comfortableness within them. I felt City could have been more clinical in the game, but at the end of the day, they got over the line. They won three goals to nil. They've got a big three points. Now, Liverpool is sad because injuries are mounting for them. You know, Fabinho is now injured to go with Van Dijk. Matip is nursing something and they're down to their bare bones. I would like to see Reese Williams given a chance because I believe he's good enough for it. Um, but there's a bit of a crisis. Either way, you know, they rested players. They didn't start their usual front three. They went with Minamino, Yota, and Origi. Either way, they got over the line, people. You know, Yota struck again for Liverpool in the second half um, before an added time with a penalty. Mohamed Salah did the same and again gets to three points. The only bad thing you've got to say is it's another game, another injury for Liverpool and another headache for Jurgen Klopp. Porto won two goals to nil against Olympiacos people um, as well. Um, quickly going back to the Liverpool game, Yota's goal was Liverpool's 10,000th scored in the history in their history in all competitions, coming 128 days after their first, 128 years. Apologies after their first. Michelin became the 17th team to play their first ever UEFA Champions League away game against an English side. Liverpool failed to register a single first half shot on target for the first time in 51 home games in all comps. Last time that happened was in October 2018 in the Premier League against Manchester City. Obviously, a bit of that, a bit of part of that was the rotations they've made. I'm sure Klopp won't care. 
clean sheet, three points in the bag, you keep moving. The only criticisms he can have is something out of his control. It's another injury, people. Now, I'm sure you all saw one of the most exciting matches for me of this game week. Atletico Madrid won three goals to two against Salzburg. My guy Dominic Shabozlai now has three, four goals in European competition so far this season. And he scored a cute finish. I think he needs to improve defensively. He's got a lot to improve defensively. But he will get a move soon, you know. Obviously, um, Marcus Lorente scored before Shabozlai equalised. And then you obviously, you obviously saw, you know... Um, Salzburg take the lead before a certain Yao Felix patterned it up and I have to wonder when Yao Felix finally joins a team where they actually play attacking football and he can thrive he's going to be a different animal you know one has to con you know you are going to improve a lot as a footballer and definitely an, an attacking player improving defensively is a great thing but how much development can he do at Atletico under Simeone but he made the difference in this game people it's a 3-2 victory you know, Atletico, for what it's worth, bounced back after, you know, getting outclassed, outmatched, just, you know, completely dominated against Bayern Munich. It is what it is in that regards, people. For Atletico, it's a bit concerning because when you think about Atletico, you think of defensive stability, you know, well-engined unit, hard to break down. And a lot of that is true, but you wouldn't get that just by the goals conceded. Looking at it, Atletico haven't kept a clean sheet in any of their last four games in European competition, which is their joint longest run without one under Simeone. They also went four games between August and October 2018 with the same issues. With that being said, since the start of the 2018-19 season, Atletico have won all nine of the UEFA Champions League games in which they've opened the scoring, eight of which have been at home. RB Salzburg's last eight UEFA Champions League games have seen a total of 38 goals scored for and of 38 38 goals apologies scored 24 of them 18 against since the start of last season their games have seen a higher average number of goals than any other team and you know that's why everyone likes to tune into Salzburg to be fair to see the stars of tomorrow you know I've been a bit disappointed whenever I've got to see Dakar's decision making in his second from last game was poor he picked up a knock in this game it's a bit sad like Kudos in, in of Ajax in the first game week he's someone a lot of people wanted to look at now, you saw Atlanta versus Ajax. They both drew 2-2. It's a fantastic game. You know, when I look at people like Gravin Betch, he's starting to play more games for Ajax last season and now this season. And he's being linked with bigger clubs. I think he was a bit anonymous in this game, but it is what it is. And this particular clash, Atlanta versus Ajax, is somewhat something for the football purists. As you lot remember, for the last three years, you know, Atlanta have been bopping football, playing good football. I know they earned a lot of plaudits last year, but real guys will remember if you was watching Italian League, that season they qualified for the Champions League was the real season where they gained a lot of, you know, neutrals and whatnot. Obviously, when you think of Ajax, you think of good football and they've got ballers in their team. It was 2-2, you know, Tadic scored um, and then obviously... Traore made it 2-0 before the Zapata in the second half scored a brace. And you'd have to wonder how long before, with all due respect to Atlanta, does he get a move to a bigger club in Italy or some of the a bigger club in one of Europe's top five leagues? Because he's been scoring a lot of goals in Italy and in European competition for a while now. Now Chelsea obviously beat Kren Cranzondo, I can't say their name, I attempted two people, but either way, Chelsea won 4-0. If we're honest, the scoreline flatters them a bit, you know, really and truly. They missed a penalty, but Werner scored one. Callum Hudson-Odoi scored a weak effort. Um, Ziyech looked a bit lively. Pulisic came on and made the difference. Um, but it weren't a convincing victory, but at the same time, how can I say that when they've won 4-0, people? 
You know, Chelsea fans, I'm sure they won't be entirely happy with how they played, but it's a game they was expected to win. A game they weren't really tested and and they just took they just took care of business. You know, I did think there was a bit static, a bit slow with their passing. A lot of what can already what has what already been said of Chelsea all season. You know, that young Russian goalkeeper, Savonov, Savonov, he had a night to rem to forget, you know, Pulisic shot he should have done better with. Definitely Callum Hudson-Odoi is out of the three that he's conceded, should have done a lot better. He's gifted Callum Hudson-Odoi a goal and, you know, big up Callum. It's nice to see him get a goal. Doesn't matter how you score, it's always good for the confidence. Now, you saw Ferenc Cavos, Ferencig Varos, I can't pronounce that name, but yeah, they played against Dynamo Kiev and it was a 2-2 and, uh, you know, a draw helps neither team in that regards, people. Both of these teams, you know, one's trying to get Europa League, I, just, I suspect, and the other is obviously going to be out. But whether it's going to be Dieselot, whether it's going to be Dynamo, I don't know. Um, but you'd you'd imagine it's it's gonna it's gonna be close, people. Um, you'd have to see. There is a player I'm trying to find his name that plays for this team. Every time I watch the Champions League highlights, he's done all right. Ngunnan, 27 years, 20, 27 years of age, born in Kenya, and um, I think he's of South of Sudanese descent. I think he's looked good in his Champions League appearances, people, and he might get a move somewhere. You all saw the game that was the highlight of the week for me and one that I love to see. You know, Lionel Messi scored in and added on time. Dembele obviously got by got Barcelona. Apologies off to a good start. Demerol was sent off. Barcelona versus Juventus. And I must admit, under Perlo, I'm struggling to see what Juventus are about. You know, I saw a good performance from Kulisevsky. I think Benton core looked good. Feel the baller was hot and cold. I feel sorry for Morata. He scored two, three goals, and they're all disallowed for offside and VAR and whatnot. Chiesa needs to do a bit more. For me, people, Kulisevsky is a baller. You can see why Arsenal wanted him at 16 years of age. He's only 20. He is going to go straight to the top. Um, obviously, it was a winning return for Pjanic. I feel it was a it was a good game, really, man. I, I liked what I saw from Pedri. Struggled in some incidences, but I liked what I saw from the 17, 18 year old. I think Adrujo. I think he came off injured. The 21 year old Uruguayan centre half, probably deputising for PK, who got sent off in the last game. He did all right. I think Jordi Alba had a good game. <coughs> Apologies, people. Let me get a drink. Admittedly, people, I can't lie. I'm still waiting to see a lot more from um, De Jong in a Barcelona shirt. Like, I know he's a baller. He's a fantastic baller. But to a degree, I don't want to harp on about the fact that he's a good footballer because that's why you're at Barcelona, you know. it's not You're not special anymore in the sense of everybody that's there that should be special. You know, in isolation, De Jong at one club, Fatty at one club, Pedri at one club, you know, Dembele at one club and etc, etc, you know. You are special, and I know regardless of Barcelona falling off, but you're at Bar. It's, you're not special at Barcelona because you're there because you are a baller. It's the minimum entry requirement, you know. It's like if you want to be a doctor, the you're not, you know, you're special in your in your normal school because you're getting A stars and you know hundred percent pass marks and all these things. But when you go off to smart school now with other guys doing that, you're not special. Cause everybody does that. Really struggling to see specifically what De Jong's role is in the team, and I think a lot of that is down to the manager. Just waiting for a bit more personality, a bit be a bit more demanding, people. Obviously, Asifati should have even scored late on as well, but he tried to find a fellow substitute Braithwaite. Lovely to see um, Dembele scored. He had a positive game. Yes, there was a hint of fortune with his goal in the deflection, but it was a good game for me to watch, man. These are the games you want to see in the Champions League um, and whatnot. And obviously, I think Messi, it weren't Messi's greatest performance and in his highlight package, but he showed little good passes, little dribbles that Messi is a baller. With that being said, though, people, um, 
you know, Barcelona have suffered one defeat in their last 18 UEFA Champions League group stage games, people. Winning 11, drawing 6, and they're now unbeaten in each of their last 11. Juventus's loss to Barcelona was just their second home defeat in their last 25 group stage games. The last time they lost was to Manchester United, a 2-1 loss in 2018. Juventus were quite toothless. They failed to re record a shot on target in a Champions League game for the first time since when Opta um, started collecting such data in 2003-04. And, you know, it was, you know, the repeat of the 2015 final, I believe. Was that the final the Juventus played Barca? It lived up to expectation, you know, winning winning return for Pjanic, disappointing one for Arthur off the bench. Now, Manchester United put Leipzig to the sword. You know, it was a it was a booky 20 minutes. You know, Leipzig could have taken the lead or... or sustained some pressure in the first half but I feel after that you know United were equal to everything they put them to the sword obviously Pogba was good I think United's formation it gave me a lot to think about going into Sunday's game and it's one for a video one not to speci be specific on now but they're sort of 4-2-2-2 thing slash diamond thing slash 4-1-2-1 four, 4-1 one, sorry I've almost I lost my trailer 4-1-2-1-2 four, four, one, two, one, two. It gave a lot to think about. They were attacking. They were playing football. For me, crucially, there was balance in that United team. You know, and they put Leipzig to the sword. I don't know. You know, Oppo Meccano's had a lot of plaudits. You know, him, Conte, the whole back line didn't give themselves anything to to really um, gain credibility about. You know, Shabitza, Shab, Shab, um, I don't know what he's doing for that penalty. You know, it was a woeful day at the office. And they put them to the sword. And to concede four goals in the last 20-odd minutes before the end of the game is disgraceful and is the sort of performances that gets you put into the Europa League, you know. Big up Marcus Rashford, not only for feeding the children, but he got a hat-trick, you know. you know, Rashford's like Raheem Sterling in that. Forget the club they play for, you just want them to do well. Not too well on Sunday, he knows how to score against Arsenal, but it's a lovely hat-trick from Rashford. Martial scored a penalty and, and got on the score sheet, you know. It's always nice, I guess, for United fans when you see your front three all on the score sheet with Greenwood, who's had a lot of stick to deal with, you know. There's, you know, since the whole England thing, there's been stuff about attitude, there's been stuff about lateness, there's been all of these things that the media... It's like the media want you to, to make Greenwood a target. He's always in the paper, they're always recycling the stories and whatnot. He's held his hands up, he's done his time. So for me, it's lovely to see him score. Obviously, it's a touching moment because he's cool with Jeremy. The sad, sad, um, sadly, the the former Man City youth international took his life, and you saw Greenwood dedicate his celebration for him. So you know, it was a touching moment for me, people. And you know, for United, I know a, United, a lot of United fans were pessimistic about their chances of getting out of the group. They spoke about how good Leipzig is. Obviously, PSG is there, and United have sat everyone on their ass. Really, you know, they've done a job away from home against against PSG and won. Whatever you have to say about PSG, they've defeated Leipzig five goals to nil. They've got two two games played, six points, two wins on the board. You can't really complain with that. Set themselves up for a good thing. The only shag with the Champions League is, you know, sometimes you have seen, and I'm not saying this, but in hindsight, sometimes it's been better for some teams to finish second. Equally, it's been some better for some teams to win the group. And, you know, cause I, I don't think, I don't know who United play in the other one, but you'd imagine, you know, is it going to be a thing where Madrid finish second or you know, or something like that? And then, you know, if United win the group, Madrid finish second, you know, you set up a clash. To be fair, Madrid's a, a good club, but they're not the Madrid of previous years. So people should fancy them really and truly, in my opinion. Obviously, Borussia Dortmund defeated defeated Zenit St. Petersburg two goals to nil. Jaden Sanjo scored a penalty. Highland scored as well. Uh, technically, I believe on the Highland goal, Jude Bellingham has an assist. 
and I'm happy with that. With that, though, Borussia Dortmund have won four consecutive home games in the Champions League for the first time since the seven-game run between September 2012 and October 2013. Um, St. Petersburg became the third Russian team to reach 50 games in the UEFA Champions League after Spartak and CSK Moscow. Zenit St. Petersburg, however, are winless in their last seven matches in European competition against sides from Germany. So that could be a bit of a negative one for them. Apologies, people. I had some statistics to read from the Leipzig United game, which I scrolled past. United's victory was Ole Gullasolsha's 50th as a manager in UEFA competition. Leipzig conceded more goals um, as, um, on, the, on the night as they had across their previous seven games combined in all comps. Marcus Rashford is the only is only the second Manchester United player to score a hat trick as a substitute after a certain Oli Golasolsha did such against Nottingham Forest in February 1999 in the Premier League. So, you know, maybe they reminisced about that after the game. Um, if I didn't say it again, I'm not too sure if I did, but Lazio and Club Bruges drew nil nil. Club Bruges are winless in 11 home Champions League games. People. Um, Lazio have picked up just one point in their last 13 away games in the Champions League. Um, Lazio's Joaquin Carrera has been directly involved in seven goals in 10 starts in the away for Champions League. Four assists, three goals, so he's fairly prolific. I'm sure a point doesn't help either side, but nonetheless, it is what it is. That is literally what happened. Um, I think I'm only missing out one game, people. And to end it, you saw De Jong... Um, in the 55th minute, break Ren's hearts. And that game was of interest to me for several reasons. You know me, I'm a big fan of Jeremy Doku. Kamavinga wasn't involved, so I was quite upset. But you have the young Brendan Soppy, Brandon Soppy on the bench. I mean, up starting at right back. And you also had Rotter, apologies, on the bench for Ren. So you lot know me, I like Ren's a lot. I like the youth approach. I like their manager. So I wanted to see them. Equally, I'm a massive fan of Jules Gonde, 21-year-old for Seville. I wanted him at Arsenal when he was at Bordeaux. That one has left us and he's probably making 50 plus million million pounds minimum for his team Seville. So that was the Champions League, people. Let's go to the real European competition now because the Champions League is just for these flyboys and people that want to look good. We're in the real competition where there's more games to get to the final. You've got to slug through it. You've got to do what you can in the competition. Um, on a serious note, though, looking at the Europa League, We'll save a certain team's results to the end, people. In fact, you know I can't do it. Spurs lost. Spurs don't travel to Belgium well. And they lost, you know, a Refalov goal in the 29th minute, you know, courtesy of a mistake from the Spurs' back line, did what they needed to do. Antwerp claimed a famous victory over Tottenham, you know. It's, it's, fan it's fantastic. It's needed, people. You know, Spurs, two shots on target after 15 shots in general is poor. And Jose Mourinho was quite critical of certain players. Not that he dug anyone else out, but he, he's on smoke. And we all know with European Europa League, you know, while you have to discount the opposition, clearly Spurs can't because they lost, so you have to respect them. You know, it's a chance for people to earn spots and give people like Jose or for Arsenal, Mikel Arteta, some headaches in relation to selection, you know. And Jose Mourinho um, says that Tottenham players made his future team selections very easy after obviously struggling. He said, you know what our best team is. I always like to think the players deserve an opportunity. We have a big squad. It's also their opportunity to catch the chance with both hands and ask for more. Tonight, my future choices are going to be very easy. They got in a situation where we let them win. I don't want to take credit from them. And he also, you also saw him post on social media, bad performances deserve bad results. Hope everyone in this bus is upset as I am. 
tomorrow 11 a.m. training. So Jersey's on you. You didn't get. You're not getting the day off because you lot were messing around. You know. There was rotation, but there was starting players out there. And Jose saying, you know what? Maybe you lot got your foot off the gas. We're gonna. I don't care that there's gonna be jet lag. That we've got to travel from Belgium. Make sure you're here at 11 a.m. We're going over this game, and then we're going out to the training ground. And I can't blame him. You know, and Jose was in classic spirits when he was asked on why he made four substitutions at half time. He said, I would like to make 11. I would have liked to have made 11. So that tells you everything as to how, how much their manager felt of their performance. So it is what it is. Um, LSK and Ludigretsch, um played and it was a 4-3. It was a 4-3 to LSK in that game. Villarreal, Uno Emre's Villarreal defeated Katyarabag three goals to one. You know, Jamie Vardy became the oldest scorer in the competition, I believe, people. When he struck his penalty as Leicester won 2-1 against AAK, AEK Athens of Greece. Um, so, yeah, man. Red Star defeated Liberic five goals to one, I believe. Tel Aviv de de defeated Sivaspor two goals to one. Hoffenheim beat Gent four one. It was a two. It was a nil nil draw. Apologies in the CSK CSKA Moscow Dynamo Zagreb clash. Feyenoord were put to the sword by Wolfsburg four goals to one. Braga defeated Zora two goals to one. I'm sure you saw Ibrahimovic um, taking off at half time. It was a tactical change. But AC Milan put Sparta Prague to the sword, you know. Loney, Real Madrid Loney, better yet, Brian Diaz scored in the 24th minute. Rafa Liel, a striker, for, formerly of Lille, who's gaining reputation in Italy, struck as well. Before Manchester United's former player, and I think current Loney of AC Milan, Delots completed the right, the riot and struck in the 66th minute as they claimed 3-0 and got three points. Lille and Celtic drew 2-2. In Arsenal's group, Molder and Rapid Vienna, you know, Molder beat them one goal to nil. Rangers, you know, I think Marlos is, has overtaken Ali McCoist in the scoring records at Rangers as he scored in the 68th minute as they beat Les Lech Poznan one goal to nil. Nice won one nil in their game. Ten men Nepali defeated Inform Real Sociedad a goal to nil. Slavia defeated Leverkusen a goal to nil. Young Boy and Clues drew 1-1. You know, standard Liège were beaten up by Benfica. I'm all sure you saw captain on the night, Daniel Marlon, strike twice as his team, PSV, claimed a 2-1 victory over AC Amonia. Um, and it was also nice to see Noni Maduke get, get some minutes as well. Didn't really take his chance, but it is what it is. Roma and CSK, Sofia drew 0-0, as did Granada and Pacao, P-A-O-K. AZ Alkmaar won 4-1 against Rigika. Cannot pronounce them. Saving the best till last. Arsenal scored three goals. We actually took shots. We won three goals to nil. You know, Joe Willett played amazing and he deserved his goal. Pepe scored a banger. He had a bit of frustration periods. Eddie scored and it's lovely for his confidence. What can I ask for? I mean, I, he didn't get on the score line, score sheet, but I think Reese Nelson was superb, you know. Credit to Dundalk. I think they came here with a plan. They came here with, with some sort of plan of what to do. I think they defended well. I think they showed a bit of bravery, but ultimately the quality in between two teams let themselves, um, started to show and they let themselves down, you know. We got a bit of fortune for one of their goals. The keepers elected to come out, try punch it. It's ricocheted off his player. It's fallen to Eddie. You know, we got a bit of fortune where Pepe for Joe Willett's goal, if we didn't get a goal from that, I would have been shouting at Pepe because he should have fed him in. It's come off their player and fall into Joe who hasn't got a break stride. You know, we've had some fortunate finishes. Pepe, to be fair, scored an absolute goal. 
Arsenal have been, I know it's only Europa League and we have to discount a lot because there was rotation, because of the level of the opposition, because of the competition, because of the players we put out there. But it's nice to see Arsenal score two goals in the first half. It's nice to see, statistically, we've had 25 shots, six on target, which we need to have more on target. But it's nice because we know we're not shooting enough people. We're not shooting enough. We're not creating enough problems for people. That's all I can say. And what I like to see is I very much doubt Joe Willock and Nelson have played their way into the starting lineup for Sunday's game. But you've given Arteta something to speak about, think speak about with his coaches and something to think about, you know, and that's what you've got to do. You've all got to go and give Arteta a headache in your own little way. And like I said, you know, I can't complain. Two wins from two. You know, the quicker we can mathematically qualify, the more chances of young players. And obviously, big up Balogun for coming on off the bench and getting some minutes. Hopefully, he gets more minutes as the season goes on because I think he's better than Eddie and Ketia. But right now, Eddie is better than him because Eddie has been afforded a couple of years experience and played more games. You know, Balogun, that's his first 20 minutes as a professional footballer. But I think his ceiling is higher. At the end of the day, ceilings and things don't matter. Um, but... Yeah, man, I think Balogun's a quality player. I think between him and Tyrese John-Jules, it could be an interesting one for us, people. We've got some good options, man. And when you add into that Martinelli, there's some good problems for us to have as a whole, as a team, people. And I can't complain, you know, Spurs lost in, in on Thursday. We won. It's always great there, people, really and truly. Raheem Sterling scored. I'm seeing Jaden Sanjo and Jude Bellingham play. It's been lovely, people, seeing all of this really, really and truly. Um, so, yeah, man. We might as well speak about the Premier League or the Premier League games to come as well now that we've got over the Champions League, people. Um, if you give me a second, I'll go and get my notes up for the Premier League. Now, Premier League action, folks, people, and it all depends who you lot are playing and what team you're playing. The Premier League action actually starts today and a good game, I believe, for the neutrals. Crystal Palace will be travelling to Wolves. Wolves versus Crystal Palace. That's an interesting clash for me. With that being said... Wolves have lost three of their last six league meetings with Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace have won three of their last five away league games against Wolves. Um, they did lose last season 2-0 in this exact fixture though. So it, it goes either way. Um, Crystal Palace are, hope, are, are looking to make it 13 points from their first seven games in the Premier League. That would be the first time they've done such. They're currently on 10 points after three wins and one draw. They come into it with good form. Um, Zaha is firing, you know, on all cylinders. They should believe they, they have all confidence for Wolves. You know, they've got Adama, you know, Jimenez of the last recent Premier League weeks just seems to say, you know what, I just want to score from outside the area. But dances look too right. It's going to be a fantastic game for the neutrals, man. Um, Crystal Palace have won two of their last three away games, as many as they had in their previous 12 on the road. They've won 60% of their points um, this season in away games, people. Six of their current 10. Wolves have picked up 10 points from their six Premier League games this season, which is their best total at this stage of the season in the competition and their highest such total in a top flight campaign since 1970-1980. So again, that's going to be a good one. And to be fair, you know, there, there's, few way, there's few better ways to kick off the Premier League. Sheffield United at 12.30 on Saturday will be playing or welcoming Manchester City to their place. That's de destined to be a good game. For Sheffield, you know, they can't feel sorry for themselves. They're winless in their last six meetings with Man City. Losing four, drawing two, failing to score in any of the last four. Their last victory came against, the, against them came in a 1-0 victory in 2000 when I was five years old. Man City are looking to win four consecutive league games against Sheffield for the first time since 1930. Sheffield United have never beaten Man City in the Premier League in eight attempts. 
the most they faced any side in the competition without a victory. They failed to score in seven of these eight games, the highest percentage of games a side has failed to score against another in the Premier League. Which, again, these records are there to be broken. You know, Chris Wilder, you know, you'd have to wonder with this poor form how much pressure will start mounting on him if it continues. As much as I don't want that because he embodies what Sheffield's about. He's a Yorkshire man. You know, he knows the tactics. You know, he acts with integrity. I want it to stay. I want him to stay and I want Sheffield to stay up. But again, you know, the dynamics we're in, I don't think they get relegated. But they need to start showing more consistency. Among the seven, 17 ever-present Premier League sides since the start of last season, Sheffield United have had the fewest shots with 409 and the fewest shots on target with 131, while only Crystal Palace with 39 have scored fewer goals than the Blades in the competition with 42. So this might lend itself to being a good, you know, a good occasion for the neutrals, good half chances, but ultimately both teams in this game might be lacking in terms of clinicalness and you know maybe that's one for the betters could we say less than 2.5 goals i don't know um sheffield united are winless in their last nine premier league games losing eight and drawing one their longest ongoing run again among all current sides in the competition the last time they failed to win any of their first seven games in a single campaign was in 1991-92 and what better way to start winning than tomorrow people you know they can't feel sorry for themselves many people expect that to become 10 rather than 9 so they've got to go out on all cylinders and present problems for Man City we've got Burnley against Chelsea hopefully Burnley can do everybody a favour and defeat Chelsea but you know that's expected to be one and to be honest you know you'd imagine that to be one Chelsea have to wait for large periods to break them down similar to Spurs and then exploit them something tells me Mason Mount will be on the score sheet in that game but nonetheless Burnley have won just one of their last 12 Premier League meetings against Chelsea that last victory came at Stamford Bridge in 2017 in August a 3-2 victory Chelsea have won four of their last six away meetings with Burnley, netting at least twice in each competition. Um, Spurs have, um, Chelsea, apologies, have scored exactly four goals on each of their last visits to Turf Moor. If you look, remember last season, Pulisic got a hat trick. And interestingly enough, and again, one could one for the potential punters. None of the twelve Premier League meetings between Burnley and Chelsea have been goalless at half time, making it the most played fixture in the competition. To always have a goal scored in the opening 45. Chelsea have won nine have won nine points or fewer from their opening six games to a season in just three of their last 20 campaigns. Chelsea have won just three of their last 12 top flight meetings on Halloween. You know, last losing um, in 2015 against Liverpool three goals to one. They've not lost con consecutive top flight games on this date since 1964. So make of that what you will, people. You've got West Ham against Liverpool. Liverpool welcome West Ham. West Ham should believe they can get something out of the game after a point against City. Liverpool are unbeaten in their last eight games against West Ham. West Ham have only won just once in their last 47 away meetings against Liverpool. Also on that, West Ham have lost 21 of their 24 Premier League games against reigning champions. Liverpool are unbeaten in their last 62 Premier League home games, winning 28 of their last 29 at Anfield, which is crazy. Um, you know, if, you, if you're one for superstitions, Liverpool have received more red cards on Halloween than any other side in the Premier League with three. So again, that could be one for the betters, people. We'll have to see. Aston Villa, who have been given a dose of reality after losing finally, will play against Southampton. 
Aston Villa are winless in their last seven encounters against Southampton, conceding 16 goals against them across the five games. Southampton are looking to win four consecutive league meetings with Aston Villa for the first time since 1987. Southampton have won their last two Premier League away games at Villa, netting seven goals in the process. So we'll have to see what's happening, people. Only Liverpool and Manchester City have won more Premier League games in 2020 than Southampton. However, that means they're level with 12 with Arsenal and Manchester United. Newcastle welcome Everton. And again, Everton, another team who was brought to reality last week, will have to play against Newcastle. Newcastle have won just two of their last 15 Premier League meetings with Everton. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. Um, Everton have only drawn one Premier League away game during Carlo Ancelotti's reign, winning six and losing six. Their last stalemate came against West Ham. What Newcastle have failed to win any of their last five Premier League games on a Sunday. Newcastle have won only two... Sorry, people. Newcastle have only won one of their last seven Premier League home games during two, losing four, failing to keep a clean sheet in this run, conceding an average of 2.4 goals per game. So we'll have to see. Only West Ham with 11 have won more than Everton in, a, in away games against Newcastle. So we'll have to see. You know, they've got six victories at St. James's Park in their last nine in their last nine visits. So we'll have to see. You know, on the Monday, we've got Fulham against West Brom. Both teams need to start winning. We've got a very tasty game as well in Leeds United against Leicester City. This will be the first meeting between the two teams since 2004 when Leeds won 3-2 and obviously both sides were relegated. Leicester have lost just two of their last 13 league meetings with Leeds. They've also won four of their last eight away games in the league against Leeds. Leicester have also never won from home in a Premier League game played on a Monday. Leeds have won 15 of their last 20 league matches, losing three and drawing two. Only Liverpool and Man City have won more league matches in England's top top four tiers than White's than the Whites since Bielsa took charge in 2018, which is a fantastic achievement, people. You've got Brighton against Spurs. You know, this fixture last year, did Spurs not lose it? I could be wrong, but Spurs have won each of their last four home league games against Brighton, including all three in the Premier League. Um, so I think that was away from home. I could be wrong. Brighton have won just one of their last six meetings with Spurs, with that victory coming in last season's meeting at the Amex, which was 3-0. So I guess that's the game I am referring to, people. Um, with that being said, Spurs have lost just one of their last 12 meetings in the Premier League. Brighton have, have lost just once in their last 10 Premier League away games. So we're going to have to see. You've got to save the best till last. And we've got Manchester United welcoming Arsenal. And that is a game that's going to get the Twitter timeline going. One that's going to get all the mandem going. One that's going to get the barbershops jumping. Neither team can afford to lose. It's 11th versus 15th. There's pressure definitely on Oli Golasolshaw. There's question marks beginning to be asked of Arteta. So a victory for either fan bases will do a lot. A victory for either set of managers and coaching staff will do a lot. We'll have to see. For me, I would actually go against Manchester United in a, with three at the back. You know, low block, limit the space on the counter. Please protect the right-hand side because, um, you know, potentially Mustafi and Bellerin against Rashford doesn't leave me with any pride. So that's probably why William might start. Um, 
I just want to go for it, man. I, I don't want to be gun-ho, but I want to go for it, man. I think, you know, United centre-halves, they struggle with pace. They struggle in general. I think they're there to be got at. You know, Oli's got has a bit of flexibility you saw united play a good formation like i mentioned earlier against leipzig you know people saying it's a diamond it could be a variation of it for me the key thing is that it had balance in the team you know pogba had balance you know the strikers had balance the defense had balance so that's one thing i'm wary of live um, man united are unbeaten in their last 29 home games against arsenal in games in which they've scored last losing when scoring back in 1977 Arsenal have won two of their last three league meetings against Manchester United, drawing one. Um, you know, we drew last year. VAR tried to shake Aubameyang. We need to win, man. What was the last? We lost one there in 2006, people. You know, and they're unbeaten in their last 13 home league games against us, drawing five, winning eight. You know, and what's scary, you know, for, for both sets is Man United are winless in their last three home league meet in their last home league games this season losing two and drawing one we can't take that for anything because you can expect a resurgent united for arsenal we're very toothless in front of goal we've averaged just 8.8 .8 shots per game and scored 1.3 goals per game in the premier league this season it's our lowest shots per game average in a single pl campaign since 1997-98 when data became available while it's our lowest goals per game average as well since 1995-96 the year i was born in in terms of 95 so there's a lot for both teams man to to want to do things and whatnot man if we a quick glance at the premier league table which is subject to change everton are leading the way you've got liverpool with second after that you've got villa newcastle man said newcastle i'm reading new i'm reading from the why am i reading this why am i skipping ahead Apologies, let me do that again. You've got Everton, you've got Liverpool, you've got Villa, you've got Leicester, you've got Spurs, you've got Leeds, you've got Southampton, Crystal Palace in 8th, ninth place Wolves, 10th place Chelsea, 11th place Arsenal, 12th place is the Hammers with West Ham, 13th place Man City, don't say that too many times, 14th and 15th see Newcastle and Manchester United respectively, 16th place you've got Brighton, um, you've got Newcastle, um, West Bromwich Albion, apologies, just hovering above the relegation zone. And the relegation three right now are composed of 20th place Fulham, 19th place Sheffield United, who are on a winless run, Burnley and 18th. So a lot of this is subject to change. You know, we'll have to see for Burnley and Sheffield. If they want to get out of there, they've got some tough clashes. So we're going to have to see what happens in that regards, people. But, you know, we're done with the Europa League, the Premier League and, 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 and the Champions League action, people. Let's move on to other stuff now, quickly. Um... Let's go on to other news. Now, I'm sure a lot of you have seen the FA have launched a diversity scheme. Now, me, I'm very pessimistic because I keep seeing schemes and objectives and, and targets and mandates. And they, there's no real conviction to get these things through. It sounds good. It's all buzzwords. But who is really working? You know, when another incident comes or another report comes, we'll talk about it and say the same old things. Nonetheless, apparently it's, it's spoken of being something that future generations will benefit from. Apparently, more than 40 clubs have signed up to the code, including signs, sides from the EFL, Women's Super League and Women's Championship. In doing so, the agreement would be 15% of new executive appointments will be from a BAME background with 30% female. 25% of new coaching appointments will be BAME and 10% of senior coaching appointments. 50% of new coaching appointments at women's football clubs will be female with 15% BAME. Shortlist for interviews will have at least one male and one female BAME candidate providing applications meet the job specifications. At present, only five of the 92 Premier League and English football 
English English Football League managers are BAME or head coaches are BAME. 19 of 20 Premier League clubs have agreed to the voluntary code, with Southampton the only exception. The Saints said they were wholly supportive of the objective, but were waiting to see how it fitted in with the Premier League's advanced equality standard before revising their recruitment processes, which they said were the culmination of a five-year economic equality and diversity journey now for me i'm pessimistic of these things people because of what i said first and although i like the scheme in principle because it opens up the doors you run the risk of it becoming a tick box like for me who's got the ambition to be in football i could benefit from this because you get us in the room but at the same time you know I don't want to be given an interview just because of my colour of my skin. The colour of my skin should be a bonus and, and should, you know, encourage the next generation. But first and foremost, it should be because I'm good at the job or I'm the outstanding candidate. This also runs, while I, I think it's a good scheme, it also runs the risk of clubs, you know, in, in practically, I'm not saying any of these clubs are sinister, but in practicality, you could see a club where, you know, just because they've signed up to this, they're going to take this BAME woman or female. And, you know, I, I, I you know, I'm going to say economic ethnic minorities because I don't believe in the word BAME. You know, it, it, there's two two diverse people. You know, you've got black people, Asian people, just about anybody that doesn't typically fall into the white British demographic is thrown in to BAME. And we're too rich of a people. We're too rich of culture, of too diversity to just clump everybody in for one thing. Um, so um, ethnic minorities. What I believe this runs the risk of just becoming people are interviewed for the sake of it. Like they've got no chance of getting the role, but they're interviewed because people are going to sit there and say, "Yo, we're 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 committed to 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 interviewing this and whatnot." And I want to see what clubs will do. You know, obviously there has to be a period of time that they do this win. But let's say a year from now, two years from now, what targets have they hit on course to hit or haven't hit and whatnot? Because we keep seeing little schemes like this, and it's it's it's. It's nonsense, in my opinion, man. I don't know how to change things. I don't know what's going to change, but we'll have to see, people. With that, though, apparently, though, you, you've all seen France's president, Emmanuel Macron, has announced a second national lockdown until at least the end of November. Um, apparently, all amateur football has been halted. Apparently, the top three tiers of men's football, Liga, League 2 and the national and the women's top flight will continue as can international football matches. However, the males, the male and women's French Cup competition have been suspended until December the 1st, obviously within, within relation to the surge of coronavirus cases and deaths in the country of France and also with what President Macron has done in issuing a lockdown. Now, Jurgen Klopp is very critical of the fixture pile-up and he has said, um, you know, he's been very vocal on it and, you know, his players are dropping like flies, sadly. He said, I think everyone would agree that if you play Tuesday night, you can play the Saturday 12.30 game. But somehow the Premier League never realises that. They always put in the Wednesday game night, like last Saturday, Man City had to play this game 12.30 on Saturday. I can't believe it. We're obviously not friends. We play against each other and fight against each other. But how is that possible? TV, Klopp, as you know, it's all for TV. They don't care about fitness or players, well-being or fitness, fatigue and you lot. They just care about finances. They just care about how can we fix this, fix these fixtures into the fixture list and make some money. Um, and he said, maybe I'm too dumb. Premier League CEO Richard Masters and all the others have said it before. Come on, that's how it is. They just aren't bothered. I don't understand why, because they don't care. Their mandate is to make money and to get viewers. So they don't care about the fitness. Footballers are, are puppets in the whole grand scheme of things, people. I'm sure you've all seen Burnley are on the verge of being taken over in a deal worth 200 million by an Egyptian businessman by the name of Mohamed El 
Kashani, forgive me for mispronunciation. The takeover is being led by Kashani, who is based in Dubai and has made his name in the food and leisure industry. It also involves sport lawyer Chris Farnell. It is understood that discussions over the deal have been going on for the past 12 months, but now contracts have now been signed in exchange while proof of funds have also been established. It is believed um, El Kashari has been attached by one of the Premier League's Sorry, has been attracted by one of the Premier League's best-run clubs and is prepared to back Sean Dice with major investment to improve his squad. So again, could could Burnley, you know, could we start seeing the stars turn up at Burnley? Who knows, people? Who knows? I'm sure you've all seen the circus, which is Barcelona as well, people. You're seeing their president or currently departing president, Joseph Maria Bortomeo, resigned. And he also made light of the fact that Barcelona have intentions of joining Europe's European Super League, the European Super League, which has been condemned by La Liga. But apparently, Barcelona's presidential favourite, Victor Font, says there's a clear plan, plan to bring back the glory days to La Liga. And he said he wants to bring back Pep Guardiola. He wants to in integrate Xavi, Iniesta and Carlos Pio into positions at the club, people. And he said, replacing the best generation the world football has ever seen, which I believe we had over the last decade, is a big challenge particularly at a time when competition is intense and many clubs are owned by very powerful owners. Barcelona are also in need of significant investment to rebuild the stadium and all in a world which has been hit with one of the worst crises ever, obviously COVID. It's clear we need a very solid plan to meet these challenges and it's clear what we have been doing. And he also said, it is our intention to build a very strong and competitive project and we are lucky at Barcelona that we inherited a style of play that Johan Cruyff instilled, installed throughout the organisation. And most of the best professionals who know about this, this style are also fans and love the club, like Pep Guardiola, Xavi, Iniesta and Puyol. They're all legends that Barcelona love but do not work for Barcelona today. We need to bring them back to ensure we have a very competitive project. The only thing Messi needs is to know he is part of a competitive project that aspires to win the Champions League. We have no doubt that if we basically have the have the honour to take the helm of FC Barcelona, we'll achieve that. And he's obviously referring to Messi staying. So again, you know, presidential favourites are always going to say a lot of stuff, but we let, it is what it is. I forgot to mention this, but as you saw, you, as I mentioned, Corona has impacted France football in some way. It's also impacted the Bundesliga because the Bundesliga will now have to play without fans again after a tentative return of spectators was cut short due to a rise in COVID-19 infections in Germany. As you lot know, Angela Merkel and the governor's and the governor, governors of the country's 16 states passed new restrictions this coming Wednesday in a bid to contain the virus, meaning professional football matches will have to be played without spectators starting on Monday and for the rest of November. Amateur sports and ledger activities were suspended with the exception of individual exercises. Um, so it is, a bit, it is a bit sad that we were making progress for some fans to return. And they won't be now, obviously. Wrapping this up now, people, and coming to the end of this podcast, let's briefly talk about transfers. And Chris Wilder has confirmed that a certain midfielder, John Lundstrom, won't sign a new contract. Apparently, he said he most likely wants to run down this contract, so we'll have, so we will ask for or invite offers for a very good player who did well for us in the Premier League last season. He's a Sheffield United player and still up for selection, but the three options are straightforward for me. He runs down his 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 contract. 
and he has every right to do that, which is not ideal for us. We'll try to recoup some value for the player in the January window. Or the best option for the club is, is he signs a new contract, which doesn't look like it doesn't look like it will happen, and that's unfortunate. We have offered a new contract that is up there with the top players at the club, and he has made the decision with his agent that he doesn't want to sign it. I respect that. I'm very frustrated about that. Cards on the table. I believe John should have signed it. We feel it is a very good offer, but there are always two sides to the story. And John and his agent feel they maybe want to negotiate elsewhere. So that's that. And, you know, I can very honest from Chris Wilder. And I mean, it's very refreshing. He said it, you know, he, this is someone that is frustrated because he believes John is essential to his plans and he wants to keep him and whatnot. I can't blame him, you know. You know, he either wants to keep him, sign a new contract, and it is what it is. You know, in January, even though I think you're central to my plans, whether you're not here in terms of commitment or your contract's running down, I've got to move you on. For John, I understand not signing a new deal. Look at Sheffield United's current form. I mean, if they get relegated, you want to be able to move. Obviously, being a free transfer at his age, I'm not too sure he's the oldest. I think he must be like 26. You know, you can get more money. There's a better sign-on fee. Let me type in, John. There's a better loan-on fee because, obviously, you're not... You're not tied down and whatnot, people. He's 26. So, again, you probably, your next move, you want to try and get a four or five-year deal if possible, you know. And he's been a consistent performer in the in, in, in the Premier League. So, again, he's only 26. I'm sure having been an England youth international and seeing some of the players called up, he must believe he can get an England call-up. So, does he want to join the team playing in Europe, playing a team with more stability in the Premier League, challenging on a more important front? At 26, is important. And you'd imagine they have to get some sort of value for him, people, really, really and truly. Because you're looking at it again, 26 years of age, you don't want to let him walk for free. You know, you can't imagine too many players in that Sheffield squad are going to recoup fees. So January is something he's going to have to deal with. Obviously, he's entitled to, to, to run down his deal. He's been at, at Sheffield for a couple of years. He might want a new project. He might want to move on. He might want to join a more competitive side, which is challenging for European competitions or have a bit more stability. And the current situation, I'm not going to lie, if I'm, Sheffield, if I'm a Sheffield player, why would I sign a new deal? I don't know where the future of the club's going to be. You know, it's Chris Wilder, so it's not being made a thing. But considering they're winless in nine games, you know, that normally means your position's under threat if you're another manager. So we'll have to we'll have to see, but I can understand the frustration. You know, um, Hakan Kolonaglu has been linked again with Manchester United, who are willing to apparently double the wages of the 26-year-old, who is a free agent um, after his AC Milan contract um, runs out in the summer. Apparently, Toby Alavero could leave when his contract expires in 2023, and you'd apparently, according to his father, and you'd imagine that would be the case of of Toby Alavero. Apparently, Liverpool are still interested in Koulibaly and will make another bid for the Senegalese international in January. Um, moving on from that, apparently Gareth Southgate is ready is ready to recall Foden after his performances, but Mason Greenwood may be left out. Antonio has suffered a hamstring injury and could be out for at least a month, which is a blow to West Ham. Um, what else is there? There's not too much in terms of Apparently, Juventus will stick with manager Perlo despite criticism in the in the Italian media of the club's start to the season, which has been a bit woeful. Guendouzi says teammates Ozil and Leno encouraged him to go along to her for Berlin. Obviously, being German-based internationals, he sought their advice. Apparently, Theo Walcott says he is keen to work with Southampton boss Hassan Hultu on a more permanent basis. Um, obviously, you know he's on a perm he's on a he's on a loan spell. Giggs, Ryan Giggs has said Manchester United could go 20 years without winning the Premier League again. 
Lampard says he never doubted Christian Pulisic um, and his ability to thrive in the Premier League, um, which that means whatever. Owen Hargreaves, who is known for his outrageous statements, says Doddy van der Beek of Manchester United could become their very own Thomas Muller, which is unnecessary from him and just sensationalised nonsense to boost engagement levels, but that's the game they play. But... This has been a lovely podcast, people. It's been a fantastic podcast, but we've now reached the end. Like I said, hopefully Arsenal defeat Manchester United on Sunday. You lot know me, people. I'll be back again on Tuesday because, again, there's Monday night football. So we'll be back again on the Tuesday. You lot know me. Tuesdays and Fridays is podcast day. I hope I've given you lots of something decent to listen to in these 55 minutes. If not, I apologise. As stated already, please make sure you're following across all the all, all the social platforms, you know, Spotify, you know, Google, you know, Apple. Make sure you're, you're subscribed on YouTube and whatnot and you're following the Instagram and the rest of it. All that you need is in the description, people. On that note, I'm going to get out of here. Please stay safe in whatever you're doing. I'm out. It's been a lovely podcast. I'm out. DG.